1: Pamela, welcome to Fat Mascara. Hi. Hello. (laughs) Yes, give me that voiceover (laughs) mellow honey tone. I like it. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you as my guest co-host while Jessica Matlin is traveling for, I think, work and pleasure, but who cares? You're here. You're going
3: to play Jess for the day, but also play yourself awesome also my sister's name is jennifer so it's like oh look it's pamela and jennifer it's kind of like
1: yeah Yeah. we're just
3: hanging out is this what you did when you were little the two of you did you have a fake radio show we did not but it was always pamela and jennifer we had a lot of fake plays so this is close producing things together
1: talking together okay i'll take that i always wanted a sister all right so just for some background for people Pamela and I go a little ways back. Actually, I don't even know how many years. We've been colleagues over the years running in the same beauty journalist circles which is a career you still dabble into to this day, which we'll talk about. But you've also expanded your career a little bit, doing some voiceover work, some astrological work, which I'm so curious <laughs> about. So just how it's going to go is we'll chat for a little bit. I want people to get to know you, and then we'll still do our usual beauty news and raise a wand and those kind of things. But give us some background. Like, how did you even get into the beauty industry? What's your background in beauty? So –
3: You know, I think no one goes to college saying I'm going to be a beauty editor, at least not when I went to college. (laughs) I Definitely not (laughs) now either. (laughs) I I didn't know what a beauty editor was. I mean, and and I'll be really honest. I'm kind of a late bloomer, just like in everything in life. And my first job in beauty, I was 31 years old. But prior to that, I was an English teacher at a boarding school for two years. I worked at a lobbying firm in D.C. I went to interior design school. I was just hopping all over the place. And what happened, my sister and I, Jennifer, lived together in D.C., and she got into the NBC Page program, and she had to move to New York. And I was like, wait, you're moving to New York? I'm the one that loves New York. I mean, I went to school. I went to Vassar a couple of hours away, so all my friends were from New York. So I really got to know the city through my friends, and I loved it. And I couldn't believe I was living in Washington, D.C. and not in New York. Washington was just never good enough. So I moved with her, quit my job. I have no job, no prospects, nothing. Nothing. My parents thought it was insane, but they did like the idea of Jennifer not living in New York by herself. So I think it was kind of like, okay. And just like, there was literally a dress shop two minutes from my house where I worked. At that time, music videos were big. So there were a lot of stylists and editors and people that came in. I'm a big talker. I became a lot of friends with a whole lot of folks. And all of a sudden, Keith was his name. Said, let's go have brunch in bed at a mansion. Now, bed is very gentrified. It's like a very like lovely neighborhood in Brooklyn now. But back then it was a little more gritty, I should say. And like, there's a term, beds die, do or die. Like, you know, just, it's like <laughs> not the place where you'd find a bed and breakfast normally. So he was like, this is kind of a cool place because this woman who's also the editor-in-chief of Essence Magazine, she owns this bed and breakfast. Let's go there. Let's have brunch, brunch there. So we had breakfast and Monique who was the editor-in-chief then, she knew him well. She sits down and they're chatting and she's like, I need a fashion and beauty writer. And he's like, yeah, Pam can do that. And I'm like, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. You know. <laughs> with her foreign policy I don't know. Experience. Yeah, with my life. she was, it yeah. should be great. Sure. Why not? And so she like wrote her information down on a napkin, I think, and gave it to me. She said, oh, email me if you want. I did email her. I heard nothing for like month one, month two. I forgot about it. Like in the third month, someone called me. It was the beauty director. And I went in for the interview and I was still working at the dress shop and the designer, John Barry, was also really into graphic computer stuff. Remember, this is no smartphone, like barely the internet, whatever. So they gave me assignments to write four beauty stories. No, it was two fashion stories and two beauty stories. That was the test. And he was like, that's so boring. Like, do something, make a whole magazine. Like, make it it pop, you know? And I was like, yeah, okay, fine. So because I decided to make a mini magazine, I had to write more stories to fill it out. So I think I wrote like 14 stories. And I made like this mini magazine. And I got the job. And I remember the um, overachiever over here overachiever but like the fashion director she's a little nice nasty and I, she was like you know you have no journalistic background and we chose you because you really kind of went <laughs> Wait, what is this term nice nasty I you like know that. where I don't know where yes are I like, know try, you know like oh I'm you know trying to be nice but actually there's like this like the the whole southern bless her heart exactly So that's Mm -hmm. how I, I, you know, she was like, yeah, we gave it to you. You should be so. And so I just walked in there and I remember my mother saying, that's the job you're going to stick with.
1: And how long did you stick with it? I mean, 20 years,
3: You could maybe not yeah. there. You weren't at like, Essence the whole time. I was, and I was also at People Magazine. So it was like focused, which I really love the fact that I got to be at two number ones because I felt like at the time, Essence was definitely like the number one magazine for Black women and People Magazine was like the number one magazine in the world. So I really... Even though I only did two, I thought it was really two really good ones. Nothing to do with each other. Celebrity. Well, that's not true. Celebrity always would run into Essence as well, too. But yeah. So that's how I got into it. Was beauty
1: new to you? I know you made this whole magazine, but you had more of a fashion background. You had an English background in writing, but like getting into the beauty industry, was that something you had an interest in before or you grew the interest while you worked there?
3: I didn't know anything about salicylic acid or anything, but what <laughs> I, I've i always been <laughs> incredibly curious and nosy. Like I was that child, I was told by my aunt, they couldn't read me a story. It was like, but why is the cow blue? Like I was just <laughs> that person. And so- It's funny, when I did my first interview, having no training, it it was almost like second nature. Getting people to talk to me was just really enjoyable. And so, and learning about anything. Pamela being Pamela. It was really, really, that's why it really kind of fit. I think that's what I love most about the work was just interviewing people and getting to know about their stories and like how they created something amazing out of nothing or whatever. So that came naturally. I was just lucky in that regard. And I think I've always dressed up like in my mom's clothes and i playing with her perfume. We'll get into that. So like those kind of beauty things were always around me, just sort of like a beautiful yeah. life was sort of around me. The
1: curiosity about you, that is definitely something I know. I remember when we caught up recently, we were at the For You by Tia event yes. and she, Pamela's sitting like three seats away from me and she just said, what's going on with the podcast? I'm curious about that. Hey, if you ever, <laughs> if you ever want to talk to me on a podcast, I come to find out we just learned. You've never been on a podcast before. never. <laughs> I love that you were just like, well, I'm interested in that. Like, I'm just going to throw it out there. And I think that's such a great quality because who should I have a guest host? And I was like, oh yeah, Pamela was like, I want to know what a
3: podcast is all about. So here, yeah, we, are. here we are. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that hasn't changed. That works. My curiosity works. So after these
1: legacy media jobs at these two amazing magazines, you have not slowed down in your curiosity. You told me you're now doing voice acting or voice. You're studying voiceover work. What's
3: going on there? Studying is a better word, I would say. So when I so as soon as I left magazines, like in 2016, I still wrote, I still did consulting work. That was all kind of fun. But I also really wanted, there were there were a few things I just always wanted to learn. And voiceover was one and astrology was one. And so I sort of got into programs, so to speak. Like I was in like a four-year astrology program where before COVID, I was like sitting in my astrologer professor's house in the East Village with seven other people learning all that. And then I went into a program with voiceover work. I just, somebody in beauty actually said to me, when people used to talk on the phone, I had a few people say, you should do voiceover. You have a great voice. <laughs> and I was like, ah, you know, whatever. So I just wanted to find out. So those were like courses that I did. And with the voiceover, I ended up doing a reel. And then I actually, to be really honest, I kind of forgot about it until a friend remembered I was doing that. And she like hired me to do a public service announcement. So I was paid for that, but I haven't really done anything since. But, 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 but I just applied for this Penguin Random House narration program to do audiobooks. So we'll see if I get that. Like, that could be kind of fun. Have you ever done any beauty projects? No, but the real, because they knew I was a beauty editor, they made me do like a L'Oreal spot and a Sonicare spot, I believe. Like, that's not my real. And Smart Water, if I remember correctly. Do
1: you remember any of the lines where you're like, there's glycolic
3: acid for your blah, blah, blah. No, it, it was like it bigger, bolder. Blashes, blah, blah, blah. And it was like three B's. Like what else would the BB? Bigger, bolder, beautiful maybe? Oh, we I don't love know. <laughs> alliteration and beauty advertising, don't we? It was a lot. It was some, it was some mascara talk, which is, hey, mascara talk. That's definitely what it was about.
1: Were you in your happy place? Are you a mascara girl? Uh,
3: I think it's tough to find the right mascara. I mean, I'll always, I try.
1: Pamela, I made an entire podcast called Fat Mascara. Don't I know it? <laughs>
3: Is that the background? Is that like, I, I just no. thought it was a cool name. But anyway, yeah, you know, like, 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 there's a min- I'm much more into the applicator. Like, I need more of a comb than a brush. So, for me, when I'm looking at a mascara, I'm first, I'm looking at like, what is that applicator like? If I can see spaces between the prongs, I'm in. And I like it to be narrow so I can really be precise about it more so than those bushy, thick. Do you have short lashes? I don't have short lashes. I have fine lashes, and they're curly, and they curl in different directions. So I like to be able to really get in there at the root and just sort of comb it out. And I don't like it to look spidery. Okay. So what are you using these days? Like, what's your go-to? I vacillate. Ilya has one that is great. Actually, I like made sure to get the exact name. Let's start with the It Cosmetics, that tight line which almost doesn't even look like a wand. It's just like a, it almost looks like a bar. You can use it for mascara to tint your lashes, or you can also use it as an eyeliner. It's very precise. I love that. It's also really good for lower lashes. And then Ilya has that Limitless Last Mascara, which I also, again, the applicator got me, and it's clean, so that's always nice. Okay, here I go with the packaging. The Byredo Mascara is in this red architectural, artist. it looks like sculpture. So they got me there. Then the wand was also comb-like, so I like that. And then finally, the Charlotte Tilbury Pillow Talk. Oh,
1: yeah. I thought that had a, there's a Pillow Talk mascara?
3: There is. You're
1: schooling me. I did not know that.
3: And it has kind of a comby kind of thing. I would have put her for like a big puffy brush, but okay. But she has mini, so this one has like a finer one. And then but when I am feeling glamorous, I'll go for the Pat McGrath, the fetish eyes. Like that one looks like a fat round brush. And that when you want like a yes. full on It's very editorial the look on it on is. that one. So I, think. I do also like that. Like don't I'm not always just like the boring natural lash look.
1: Yeah. Oh, I could talk to you for hours. I was meant to ask you about astrology, but I'm much more interested in this perfume thing with your mother. So was your mom really into fragrance? And then your first beauty products were fragrance? What's the connection there? You mentioned it briefly.
3: My first beauty product was the Tinkerbell. The Tinkerbell had like a fragrance and like a powder and a lotion. It was like a little set. And I remember, I think my Aunt Gwen gave that to me. And it was so, I just loved looking at it. I might've been like seven years old, but I'm going to tell you, even then, I knew that that was not a quality scent. I liked looking at the bottles, (laughs) but I don't think I liked the way it smelled. But I remember distinctly, my grandmother wore Youth Dew, Estee Lauder Youth Dew. My mother wore Charles of the Ritz and my Aunt Gwen wore Shalimar. And even though I didn't even like the Youth Do, I think it was, it, it, that was a little strong. You know, that was a little much for like Ooh, a seven-year-old. Youth do. yeah. Yeah, remember? But I would still... And it had that little bow on the cap.
1: It seems all dainty, but then you'd take off the cap and it was like,
3: whoo! And I would still, even though knowing it did not smell, I still love the idea because it was in a beautiful bottle. Like, that's what I wanted to wear. And I really liked the way Charles Ritz smelled. So I always would sneak in and wear my mother's fragrance. And I liked Chalamar also. So... We're talking about pre 10. So I guess I had good taste. At I least think. you had good taste then. <laughs> I had she good goes all t- in with the Guerlain taste. at age yeah. 10. She's but like, I, I don't like th- the Tinkerbell. <laughs> the Tinkerbell was on my whatever. Like, I, it wasn't a vanity. It was there, but it was pretty to look at. But I was like, that's 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 crap. Yeah, I knew
1: that then. You knew better. What do you wear now, fragrance wise?
3: So I am on like the last drop of this ex Nelio Fleur Narcotique. Mm -hmm. And that particular brand years ago at Bergdorf, they could make you a custom fragrance as well. So I remember the PR woman giving me the Fleur Narcatique was one of their top sellers, but also letting me have my custom, which I guess was like, oh, to Pam. I don't even know what what you would call it. Like, I hope (laughs) it's still on file, but that's like gone. I won't even throw the bottle away. I'm like, oh, I love that. But the Fleur Narcatique has like this much left. It's always a sign when I say I would buy that And only a beauty editor would understand that. It's just like... (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So that is what I happen to be wearing now. I feel like you might
1: have to go buy it. Well, you're still writing beauty and things. I know you... Didn't you just get like a column
3: gig? Yeah. And some gift guides are coming up. So we know we got to have fragrance for gift guides. So hopefully I'll be able to take care of that itch. My first job at Essence, there was an editor there, Amy Dubar Barnett, who also happened to be the first, I think, Black editor-in-chief of Teen People. But anyway... It's funny, fast forward, like the, the gig I just agreed to, just writing some things for Reflect Beauty, which is like a beauty website for women of color. She's there. So it's kind of like, oh, I just found that out. Oh, that's great.
1: See, your curiosity has gotten you far thus far, I feel like. Just like spread your web wide and it seems to be working for you. Yeah, I guess so. Well, that'll serve you well in this podcast because I'm about to go through and share the news of the week and we can chat about it a bit. Are you up for that?
3: I'm totally up
1: for that. All right, let's do it. Okay, it is time for the news. I have to start out by saying I just hosted this event. So I guess this is news too. Dr. Ryan Turner, he's a dermatologist here in New York City. He just launched a line, Turner Skin. I'm obsessed with it, but I helped him launch this. And I did like a little panel discussion with him. And, you know, I go off topic all the time and ask things I'm not supposed to, but somehow we got talking about preteen skincare regimens. And he shared with the audience that, He had, I believe it was an eight-year-old, somebody's child came in and had like a skincare regimen and their skin was getting messed up and he had to help them sort it out. And I was like, oh my God, the kids, what are they doing to their skin? There's been multiple news on this. The Cut just did an article on teens using anti-aging skincare. And then, do you ever read Air Mail?
3: No. What's that?
1: Remember Linda Wells at Allure? Absolutely. Absolutely. I saw her okay. the other day She started like the look vertical at Airmail. They just did a whole article on this baby face thing. So it's really been growing that younger and younger people are using skincare. And I'm so curious for your take on this. Like, do you think they need to be? Why do you think this trend
3: is happening? Obviously social media, but what's your take? I honestly just think they have so much access to doing every—because of TikTok and YouTube, they can learn how to make an intricate Korean bibimbap, or they can learn intricate 20-step Korean skincare ritual. It's just all there for them. And I think depending on your personality or what you want to learn or get into, it's not surprising— that a lot of kids would want to know more about skincare and want to just try it all. It's probably not the best idea because I just feel like everything is still changing and growing. And that girl using retinol twice a day, I'm like, that's probably not a good idea. You're making your skin really sensitive. The young girl, it, I think it was in the cut article. Yeah, like
1: who needs retinol at age thirteen or 14? I mean, maybe for acne if you have started getting acne. I think sure, that's a there's a problem to get into skincare. It's funny you bring up Bib and Bop and the crafting aspect of it. We had a makeup artist on recent, not recently, this was an old episode. And they were saying like, OK, well, back in the day, everybody used to like kids, especially you would learn to paint or sew or you have this crafting project. And it's almost like because of the phone, like their face is the crafting part. They're putting on this makeup. They're not going anywhere with like a intricate makeup look or the skincare. I feel like a lot of it is
3: the hobby of it. Sure, absolutely. And think about it, even with COVID, like we just had so much time in front of the screen, so much time to learn and focus on anything that you're interested in. I mean, you can learn how to paint a car correctly. Is that what you did with your pandemic? <laughs> no, but I know someone that did. And speaking of, even like, I do <laughs> like, figured out how to detail. Like that's impressive. I'm not surprised at that. And also, there's just so many products. I mean, think about it. How many skincare lines were there when we were eight years old? We had like.
1: Teno six, say knives, some Clearasil or Buff Puff. I don't know. It was all just
3: like it was I mean, all harsh. Cl- as I indeed. just remember the Clinique, the one, two, three. We had that as far as like a system. I mean, that's all I really remember. I think um, what was the acne thing everybody used? Proactive.
1: Oh, okay. I now I feel like I know your age cuz like okay, proactive was a thing. All right. Yeah, I'm just saying like so they've this they're on
3: steroids now.
1: They can just see anything. Well, what came up in this event also was somebody from the audience said that their friend's daughter, who I think was 11, was asking for Drunk Elephant, which to me is like a very high-end actives, anti-aging and also kind of expensive, but I guess because of the packaging A lot of the younger kids are drawn to it because it looks so delicious and fun with the neon and everything. And it's
3: fun with the colors and also elephant. Like, I think it doesn't look like it's necessarily as posh as it is.
1: You're right. It does give it like a juvenile kind of quality.
3: Yeah, it's cute.
1: Anyway, he said we're going to be seeing more of this and and we have to ease them into the skincare. We don't want to go out the bat with like a harsh glycolic acid on lovely baby skin. They need
3: to fall back and relax a bit on that.
1: They do. Okay, the holidays are like here. I feel like Halloween's over and like immediately the Christmas tree comes out. So does the beauty industry. <laughs> Bath and Body Works just released. So I don't know. I'm like a Bath and Body Works old head. Like I love their candles and everything, but this got me. I sent you Elizabeth. They came out with 21 <laughs> freaking scents for the holidays. 21 season specific candles and products. What do you think of this? I get it.
3: <laughs> oh, you're into it. Okay. I, I mean- Candles to some degree are kind of easy. It's not about a size. It's just like yumminess. I mean, scent is wonderful, but scents can be really polarizing. So, I mean, you really need to know a little bit about the person you're gifting because vanilla or lavender, those are polarizing scents. People kind of love them or hate them.
1: That's true. Do you do a holiday, like in your own home, do you do a holiday candle
3: or anything? It just so happens I was in DC two weeks ago and I walked into my friend. We had dinner, we were having dinner at my friend's sister's house. And when I walked in, I was like, Oh my God, your house smells like heaven. And so my friend had that hotel collection thing that everybody has now. Was it hotel lobby? Because hotel lobby is hotel. Maybe that's what it's called. Hotel something. But these weren't even candles. Like it's kind of like it comes out of a thing. So when I got into the sister's house, I thought she also had hotel whatever. And she's like, no, it's a candle. I found this little bespoke line when I was in Frederick, Maryland, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I loved it so much. And she said she buys them by the fours. It's this brand called Lit Up. And it was like a tobacco road, I think is the name of it. And she gave me one when I left. And it's been two weeks. It's almost gone. And I think I'm going to have to freaking buy that candle because I love it. And these guys, they're like beer manufacturers or beer, bespoke beer. What do you call that? Craft brewery? craft. Thank, thank you. It's a couple. Thank you. for those. <laughs> <laughs> And they take the beer bottles and they cut the top off and they make that they put the candles in the bottom. So it's like the oh. upcycle. OK, we like that. So I'll, I guess I say all that to say that despite my being a beauty editor for 20 years, I still got excited about this candle and I want it. And so I get it.
1: I have to share with you just to give the audience and you a flavor of this. We've got under the Christmas tree, it's, there's like eight Christmas tree. Bright Christmas morning because that has berries and blood orange. Perfect Christmas, pine and sugar and toasted marshmallow. Oh, I don't like toasted marshmallow. So under the Christmas tree, fresh balsam. First of all, there's four pine balsam scented candles alone. We got strawberry snowflakes, winterberry wonder. I was like going all the way down, silver snowflake. Then, then at the very bottom, we got Feliz Navidad, which is champurrado <laughs> spiced Mexican chocolate. <laughs> And then a caramel and steamed milk. And then we got a little happy Hanukkah candle down there. Pillowy fried donut (laughs) smell.
3: (laughs) Wouldn't you have loved to have been in the like, I don't know what you call it, marketing focus group that was like, okay, guys, we're not leaving here until we have 21 original, like whatever, however it came to be. And we're going to hit every niche in the
1: United States. We're going (laughs) to give you a Hanukkah. We're going to give Feliz Navidad. We got some Christmas.
3: I would have loved to have been in that group in that in that room doing that.
1: first of all, I don't want my house to smell like fried dough. I'm sorry. that's just, I'm not gonna go the gourmand route. I think I'm gonna stick with more of
3: the tree.' I'm, I'm with you on that. yeah.
1: And this tobacco one
3: well, okay, there's the exception. And maybe it's because I'm from Virginia and it's like a tobacco state. I don't know. maybe there's something like that I don't even realize with that. but it also has a little citrus in it. It's like a it's it's got more than just tobacco in it, but it's lovely, and you're right. But vanilla and, like, foodie, foodie things, I'm not usually a fan with the candle.
1: Yeah, I didn't mean tobacco is always a gourmand, but sometimes it has that raisiny, like, rummy kind of quality to it. But it's not too sweet and fake.
3: No, and it feels like fall, and it just is a little sweet, but not too sweet. Yeah,
1: that sounds good.
3: I get Bath & Body, I get it.
1: Okay. Well, you're going to have to give me a link to the tobacco one so we can share it with everybody. I will. In the episode notes. That's a podcast thing, Pam. You put it in the episode notes if if people are curious. Moving on. This is like a warning. This is crazy. The FBI put out a warning here in the United States. The FBI put out a warning that hackers are targeting plastic surgery offices. And at first I was like, why? There's like, are there credit cards on file there? Well, (laughs) Mm -hmm. here's the thing. The HIPAA journal reports hackers actually attacked an office of a Beverly Hills plastic surgeon earlier this year posted patient photos on the web because You know, there's naked photos of people, very private, intimate moments, and then demanded ransom to take it down. These freaking criminals are smart because think about it. If you're paying for plastic surgery, you have money probably, and -hmm. you have a compromising photo that they can release onto the web. It's sort of like a perfect storm for hacking. I'm not trying to encourage any criminals out there. (laughs) But once I read that, it made sense to me. So just so anybody out there knows this, This is something that all plastic surgeon offices are now being aware of, and this FBI warning went out to all of them. I don't know if you have any comments on that, Pam.
3: I could completely give you a whole lecture on astrology that explains this, but I'm not gonna do that. Can you give us a highlight, what? Well, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I'm just gonna say that what's coming up is the planet Pluto, which is the planet of transformation that spends about 24 to 27 years in one sign, When Pluto moves into whatever sign it is, everybody feels like the effects of whatever that sign's all about. So just quick example, when Pluto was in Scorpio, Scorpio has a lot to do with sex and death and other things, but those two things, we had the AIDS epidemic and people were literally dying from having sex at the same time the kids that were born during that period are the kids that gave us lgbtq so like the notion of expanding what sex is mm. so it's like it's kind of like these are things that transform us for forever so now we're quickly moving pluto's moving to aquarius which is all about social media and waves and so the issues we're going to have with ai and anything this completely is like yep of course, it people are going to, like, hack. for how, astrologers. Totally tracks for astrologers. But my first thinking was, like, when you, when you think about these pictures, I'm like, don't you just see, like, breasts with X's on the nipples? Like, I mean, is everything—like, I was like, how do you know whose breasts those are? No, in the
1: office, I bet you the faces are still in there. But then when they publish them in, like, the magazines or a report, they crop and put the X. So these are, like, yeah—
3: I was just think they would go in. Like, I mean, there's no need to pull back. I don't know. I was thinking like it's like buttocks and stuff. Or maybe they're, maybe there's maybe
1: their face isn't in it, but their name is and I don't know if you, May, you're, yeah, if you're a rich know, like, person and you know your naked body with some compromising photos, you might pay up. So wait, tell me, Pamela, how long is Pluto gonna be in this Aquarius area? Like 20
3: some years. Okay. Wow. And when did it begin? It starts officially in January, but you always, we had a taste a few months ago. You always kind of feel it's like a warm up. It's like a ramp. And then now we're just in it until. We're just in it. So like, you know, like those killer robots in San Francisco. Did you hear about that? Great. Yeah, great. No, what?
1: What killer robots in San Francisco? I have not fact checked this. Okay, and and all (laughs) I'm going to
3: say is like, I guess instead of police, you could have like a robot that could shoot and like, whatever. They were like, no, we don't want this. But they're already made. So it's, these devices, they already exist, so someday they might be allowed. So this is just a taste of, like, the issues we might have with AI.
1: I, I love that you're going here. I'm known for my little foil hat sometimes here on the podcast, and I always bring it back to the movie iRobot with Will Smith. <laughs> and I'm like, you know it's coming. Anyway, okay. It's coming. Somebody anyway. get ready for Pluto and Aquarius. Cause That's right, everybody. Yeah. And be careful of your private documentation and make sure your plastic surgery office is... Uh, Definitely got some good malware on there.
3: I bet they're going to change how they take pictures now.
1: I agree. Okay, moving on. We've reported on this a bit on fat mascara. It's the FDA's proposed ban on hair relaxers with formaldehyde. But just this week, it came up that now that the FDA is proposing this ban, and as you know, and our audience might know, know, formaldehyde has links to many problems with health, including cancer, and people who use hair relaxers for an extended period of time Maybe getting cancer because of it. This is why the FDA wants to oppose it. But the Crown Act is getting a renewed force at the federal level. So, just for people who don't know, 23 states right now have the Crown Act, which is some sort of legislation banning race based or ethnicity based hair discrimination. It tried to go to the federal level, it got through the House of Representatives, but the Senate, I think Cory Booker tried to bring it to a vote and then they just couldn't get it to go to a vote and who knows what they're doing over there right now, so when it's going to be. However, when we see news like this about the formaldehyde in the hair relaxers, it really reignites the need for this type of legislation because you talked to me about this because you're a Black woman, hair Mm -hmm. relaxers. I felt like in the past, a lot of people felt they needed to do it to look professional sometimes, and that's why this legislation came in To be like, you can wear your hair in its natural state and not worry to be discriminated against. Am I completely simplifying it? Talk to me.
3: I think it's like it's collapsing two things. I think like almost most black women over 40 probably have had a relaxer at some time. I mean, like my hair was relaxed when I was like 12 and it kind of remained relaxed until college. So that's a long time. And certainly then nobody was looking about, I mean, and that wasn't about going to work. That was about me being a cheerleader and wanting to wear my hair a certain way. (laughs) Yeah, I shouldn't touch this to work.
1: It's like just society in general. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Like, but, you know, but I was the only black cheerleader. So I could, to some degree, you could say instead of my tight curls, I wanted the length, you know, when your hair's relaxed, the curls relax. So like your hair looks straight. It's long. It's touching your back, which it might not do naturally. And nobody had natural hair, Back then anyway. So that it was just so normal. So that's an issue. Cause all of us that are older that may have natural hair nair, we still had all those years getting a relaxer. So hopefully there's no negative connotation. Health health concerns, yeah. Yeah. yeah I have no idea. I don't know how we we'll ever proved that. But even in general too, it's also been Covered that like, even with black hair care products, that there are a lot of toxins, 50% more toxins and like nasty things than there are in like mass products. So I just think in general, I wish we had more information on packaging, but that's a whole nother podcast. So many things are just not regulated. And then when it comes to women's health in general, people just don't pay a lot of attention to it. So this is not surprising at all that we're dealing with this now. But think about now. You have options. You can wear a wig. You can wear a weave. You can press your hair. Like you don't have to get a relaxer. That said, there are plenty of women, including my mother to this day, who it's just easier, especially if you have short hair. you know, It's just easier to have a relaxer. So it's unfortunate that it's possibly dangerous. I mean, I'm sure plenty of Black women do not want anything to do with that because they're maybe in a different generation, but there's still plenty of women that probably aren't going to change because that's the way they wear their hair.
1: Yeah. Well, and if that is the way they wear their hair, if they were thinking of changing it, and here you go, and braids and dreadlocks and different natural hairstyles, and right. they might have that discrimination associated with them. Because the stories you hear when the Crown Act gets passed, like a kid in school who's not allowed to have locks, even though the white oh, girls yeah. can have braids, it just doesn't match up.
3: Remember that horrible thing that went viral during COVID where, like, they cut that black wrestler's locks off? They wouldn't let him, re- yeah. remember that? It was, yes. a lot. I mean, like, yeah, There's so that is still very real. And to your point, like, so let's say you don't want to have the relaxer and you just want to go natural, but you work at a bank or you work someplace where people just don't get it or you live someplace where there's just not a lot of diversity and people are already just, you raise issues just walking in the door and now your hair is like a topic of conversation. It's just a lot of layers of systemic racism and all these different things that just sort of come together with our freaking hairstyle. <laughs> it's unfortunate.
1: It is unfortunate, but maybe the upside to the fact that the FDA is looking into the chemicals first of all women's health, that's the upside. Yes. Second of all, well, if we're going to take away relaxers or the most effective relaxers because of these chemicals, we better have some legislation in place to make sure if you're not relaxing your hair, you're not getting discriminated against. So, I just think it's
3: interesting two stories I've been following for a while are sort of converging right now and that's why representation matters because these are like black congresswomen who are bringing all this to fruition like you know no one, no one yes. even care if they weren't like adamant yes. about
1: it so if you're here in the states and you are in a state that does not yet have some sort of legislation like this go ahead and go on the crown act website and try and call your senators and call your local legislators okay i usually like to end our news segment on something quirky and local and this i don't know why this tickled me to no end it's Local, sure, but like a whole local world that I do not know about, but I am fascinated about. The bot mitzvah scene in Los Angeles, the high-end <laughs> bot mitzvah scene. So apparently, a preteen in L.A. had a Glossier-themed bot mitzvah. Glossier is cool enough to be a theme for a bot mitzvah. Did you see the pictures?
3: <laughs> I saw the pictures. Like, that swag bag looked pretty nice. It was like a whole booth of clothes. I don't even know what was in the t-shirt. I couldn't tell what was in the swag booth, but... The staying power, I'm kind of amazed that it's still so popular. I mean, uh, that's a bar mitzvah. This is like a, what, a thirteen, fourteen 14-year-old? I'm surprised yeah. it's still that popular. Because it was pretty popular with us. Yeah. What, 10 years ago? I
1: mean. Cheers to Stella, who was the name of the girl. I'll link yep. the,
3: <laughs> the pictures. <laughs> she had
1: a big boy brow that was like the size of a, I don't know, it looked like it was the size of a person, but it was like a boy brow Maybe it was a cake topper with her name on it instead of Glossier name in Exactly, the same It just
3: said Stella, and it was like a, yeah, like a table centerpiece type thing. It was impressive.
1: But yes, the same thing uh, was interesting to me about the story is that I heard, or the, the thinking was, Marissa Melter's book came out about Glossier, the rise in the fall, but seemingly the fall, but there was no yeah. fall. Because if a 12 or 13-year-old still wants a Glossier-themed bat mitzvah, this brand has legs. that are going to
3: keep going. I am have been a just a real sharer and gifter of all my beauty products with all my family as long as I've been a beauty editor. And the shocking thing to me is that like my cousins' kids, to this day, if they ask me for anything, it's Glossier. How old are they? Well, now one's in college and one's in high school, but it's still there. That's what that's the only thing they ask for. All right, so they're doing something
1: right with their branding if they're still. They got the youth vote still, even if still, people, yeah, it's impressive. I well, also, it hasn't even launched in some countries yet. It just got to England. I think that uh, for the rest of Europe is coming soon. So, like. I guess maybe we're a little bit jaded over here in New York City, having had it for years and years.
3: Well, when I walked past the store in Soho, I don't think I even knew they had a store. I couldn't believe how many people were in there. And it looked like a lot of tourists. Like they were just like really trying to get in there and have that experience. So that was a few years ago. So it just seems like obviously it hasn't, it's only, it hasn't gone down. Yeah, I don't know but I don't know what they're talking about fall. It seems like it's pretty steady. I remember though thinking, because- Wasn't she, I mean, as far as indie brands, I felt like she was like the first editor-type person to have a beauty brand. And she wasn't even a beauty editor, if I remember correctly. Yeah, she was the intern at Teen Vogue. Mm -hmm. I was just sort of impressed that she took that plunge. And obviously, you know, she pays so much attention to the color. And I think, wasn't she super interactive with her audience?
1: Yeah. Well, remember they had Into the Gloss, which was the blog, before that then birthed the brand. And we've had her on the podcast. And then we had the author of this book on the podcast because, like, I don't know, people are still just fascinated with that whole story. And I mm-hmm. think clearly the preteens out in LA, bat mitzvah scene, are still fascinated. So I'll put up some photos so you guys can see it. If nothing else, just be impressed at what people can do <laughs> for party planning these days, really. Okay. And that was the news. We're going to go raise a wand. Are you ready? I'm ready. that's good 10 minutes joanna thompson does these yoga lattes in 10 one day will be abs one day will be arms today jess is booty day and we're just (laughs) gonna get it done all in 10 minutes if you're trying to get a good sweat then you've got to try their award-winning workouts like the sweat inducing yoga flows or the reformer pilates workouts without weights you can also find stress relief with meditations affirmations face yoga Gua Sha, learn to do dry brushing. How many times have we talked about dry brushing on this podcast? Aloe Moves will teach you how to do it. Unlock your
2: personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use the code Mascara20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com, code Mascara20. com code Mascara20.
1: Hey, this is – I'm sad this is the last part of the podcast. I didn't even get an astrological (laughs) reading, but that's okay. (laughs) Everybody knows how I feel about astrology. (laughs) We're going to raise wands. So this is the part of the podcast – I guess if you're a new listener, it's good to know anyway – where we raise our mascara wand to a product. I needed help from the family, so I've been asking about – my lips have been so chapped. I've been asking about lip balms. Listener Zoe came through. Give a listen.
0: Hi, Jess and Jen. This is Zoe from Boston. So Jen asked for suggestions for long-lasting lip balms, and that was like a bat signal to me because it has been my life mission to find good lip balms. And I come to you with two suggestions. And the first one is Lanolip, just our classic 101 ointment multi-balm. It's like basically pure lanolin, I think, which I find super effective, but they also have different tints and flavors. And they recently launched a 12-hour overnight lid mask, which I tried and love. So definitely suggest that. And then my second one is from the brand Beaker, which makes those cute, fancy glass water bottles. And they have a lip balm, too, which is called the Beaker Paris Balm. And it's lovely. It has... a light sheen to it as well, which is very pretty, also very effective and long lasting. So I hope you try them and that they work for you and that you have lovely hydrated lips. Bye.
1: Okay. I'm keeping this homework alive. If you want to share, call me and leave me a voicemail. I need more lip help. I need to know what lip balms are working. People call me 646-481-8182. Let's just pretend Pamela's calling right now because now I need to know. What do you do for chapped lips, Pamela?
3: Okay. So... I really love the Ilia lip conditioner.
1: With the metal cap?
3: That's right. The white, it's white. Yeah. It is metal. And I also love the Chanel Hydra Beauty in the pot. The thing with the pot is your hands have to be clean. The pot seems to be like a home thing, like a morning or before bed thing. And then the Ilia is an on-the-go thing. So they're super moisturizing, yummy, yummy. Those are my two favorites.
1: One of my favorite lip balms is in a pot. And it's funny yeah. I was like, why don't I bring that one around when my lips are chapped? Because it's the Le lip balm. I'm so emotional. Oh, yeah, but yeah. you know,
3: it's good, right? It's good. That's another good one. I forgot about that one.
1: But yeah, you got to stick your fingers in it and you want, don't want to like go around in your purse and pull out the thing and then your dirty fingers going in the pot. I mean, I know they have lots of preservatives in there, but even still, it's kind of gross. So, okay. So you do Chanel Hydra lip balm and you do Ilya. All right. That's good. What about Now it's your chance. Any other thing you want to raise a wand to Yes, as my guest co-host?
3: I want to raise a wand. And this is a tie because last week's Gilded Age and last week's The Morning Show were so on fire. And I'm not even a TV person, but I was so into both shows. They have nothing to do with each other. They're both on Apple, I think. Nope. The Gilded Age is on Max. You can't even say HBO again, whatever that is. And it's about, like, literally the Gilded Age. But it was all just, you know what it is? It's these robber barons, uber-rich, new-money folks and their ball gowns and the costumes. It was just such eye candy. From the very late 1800s, right? It's exactly. It's like, it's between the Civil War and the 1900s. It's when, like, the Industrial Revolution just exploded. It's when we got all this new money, steel and electricity. And so suddenly... There was like the new money folks vying against the Mayflower old money folks. There's all that drama and all that, but it's also just like the the mansions and the, the amount of money they spend on everything. Julian Fellows, um, Dalton Abbey* guy, he did *Gilmore*. Yes. And so it's just what I what I love is it. It's like there's a, there's little bits of like real thing people in there. Is this the
1: one with Cynthia Nixon in it?
3: She is in it. That's right. And, and a oh, whole is bunch a of new season. Yes, this is the new season, and then it just started. I'm so
1: glad you mentioned this.
3: Yes, the second episode. It was so good. So that was great. And then the morning show, which is on Apple TV, with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. So this season, this is the third season. The second season was a little bit of a snore, and I almost didn't watch it. This season's, like, better than the first. Anyway, okay, let me just say why I think I really love all this. It goes back to the fact that, like, since COVID, I feel like there are just so many shows that have women of all ages all of a sudden, I don't care if it's like Outlander, The Crown, Big Little Lies, Bridgerton, like suddenly it's not just about the 22-year-old. It's kind of like everyone's got a rich life or a rich story. And I think these are two shows that also really do that. And I I mean, and a lot of it's because we have Shonda Rhimes and Reese Witherspoon and Jane Fonda, like producing these shows, making these shows, guaranteeing parts for women that are not just 20 years old, but like The 40-year-old, the 50-year-old is just as interesting as the 20-year-old. And I just think I love the fullness and the representation and the fact that these shows are really good. So anyway, that's my wand raising.
1: Oh, we could, I mean, that's all sorts of wands. It's two TV shows. It's age inclusivity in media. That's right. glamour a little bit. It's glamour. It's
3: good writing. (laughs) It's like intrigue. It's everything.
1: Well, I'm out here with a moisturizer. So my razor wand is like, no, but I do. I have a, thank you for that one. Those are good ones. And I'm so glad to know that Gilded Age is back on because I did watch the first one. Well, it is dry, dry city over here in the Sullivan households. The minute the heat turns on, I don't know if you have the kind of heat where like, yeah, I don't know. It turns on and on am You can't control it. Immediately. Yes. Well, I can control it, but even still. So Dr. Ryan Turner's new line, I don't know where I put it. It's this prebiotic lipid moisturizer. It is to die for. It is like a, I'm calling it a gel pudding. I don't know. You know when it's <laughs> like a fluffy... Like it's not a heavy. It's a heavy. It gives you a heavy moisture load, but with a light consistency. You know that kind of moisturizer where it's just like cloudy feeling. That sounds nice. Use your use your English teacher words. Give me other adjectives here. You're better at this. Like it's like what? Well, how would we write about this? It's just a fluffy moisturizer,
3: balmy, Is ethereal, too strong. Ooh. Ethereal. <laughs> is okay. that a little too? Is that a little too
1: <laughs> I don't know if squalene can get ethereal, but if <laughs> it does, it's in this moisturizer. A cloud-like quality. I don't know. Oh, cloud-like. Yeah. So mm-hmm. here's the thing. Whenever I get a heavy moisturizer, I feel like I have a grease bomb on my face and it's just very occlusive. This one gives you the ceramides, the squalene, all of that, but it has a ethereal, fluffy <laughs> gel pudding texture. So I'm gonna just raise a wand to Turner Skincare, T-R-N-R Skincare. Wait, let me get the name right. Prebiotic Lipid Nourishing Moisturizer. So that's my reason. wand. Yes. Yeah, so we can be moisturized while we watch the Gilded Age. We watch that the morning really show. <laughs> we put on our Ilia lip balm and then we get our beauty sleep because that's what we always do
3: at the end of the show.
1: Pam, thank you so much for coming on Fat Mascara. This was so fun catching up.
3: This was so fun. This is so great. And now I've done a podcast. Thank you. I can check that box now. Yeah. Yay. All right.
1: (laughs) We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com.
2: We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One
1: product review or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at fatmascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening.